The second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball and hockey playoffs, offering players a free shot at $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is that it's free to play. DraftKings free play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and search the whole wide variety of free contests and an opportunity to win cash prizes. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball and hockey playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, June the 1st. Uh, Ian Cameron uh, with you, along with Alex B. Smith, uh, as we look ahead to tonight with just one game. And you can tell now we're getting deeper into the playoffs when we get to the time of the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs with just one game on the schedule. But that is the case tonight with the uh, Lightning and the Hurricanes game two uh, of that series. Uh, we'll break it down for you uh, in just a second. Uh, before we do that, though, we will start with uh, last night's action uh, and we will start with what is, to this day, the uh, a funeral taking place for a lot of people around me today. It's like somebody's died. It's like somebody, they've lost a loved one. Whatever the case may be, life will not go on uh, for so many people around me. And all of these people that I'm talking about are the poor, pathetic, sad sack Toronto Maple Leafs fans that have had to sit through the disgrace, the embarrassment, the shame of yet another epic fail, another epic choke job, another epic gag job, another epic disaster. And if you think that was this result for the Toronto Maple Leafs was anything but that, you are absolutely out to lunch. You're Coco Loco. You're obviously burying your head in the sand and completely devoid of any sort of reality. This is nothing short of a cataclysmic disaster for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it trumps anything that they've done the last couple of years in terms of these Game 7 failures and these Game 7 collapses. It, it, it's everything. It's worse than that. It's worse than everything that they have done uh, to this point. You know, you thought it was bad. If you're the Leafs fan, you're thinking to yourself, wow, I thought 2013, when we spit the bit, win a 4-1 lead against the Boston Bruins in the third period and allowed two goals, two goals with the net empty 
Two goals the Bruins scored that night with the net empty down 4-2 to two in that game. And they came back and they tied it 4-4. And then, of course, Bergeron wins it in overtime against uh, a Leaf team that back then they had, you know, James Reimer was the goalie. Jake Gardner had a horrendous game that night with a bunch of giveaways. Uh, and they ended up losing 5-4. They were up 4-1 with 10 minutes to go in the third period. And if you're a Leaf fan coming out of that game and you've thought this way for years, that's rock bottom. Things can't get any worse, can they? That's about as bad of ending to a series and a season as we will ever experience as the fans of this wretched organization that has done nothing for 54 years, that has done less than nothing for the last 17 years, going on 18 now since they've won their last playoff series. That's number one. And then number two, all right, we now are rebuilding. You know, the bottom fell out after that playoff loss. They had a couple of lean years, but you're going to get back on track now. You're going to look to the future, and you draft three distinguished first-round players, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, and Austin Matthews, of which you are going to build the future of this organization around these three players. And I am happy to report to you that one of those three players actually did something in that series against the Montreal Canadiens. One player, and that was William Nylander, the one you wouldn't have expected it to be. Uh, he was one of the best forwards in this entire series uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So you build you know, the franchise around these three players. You get into the playoffs the first year, the you know Matthews rookie year. Marner had just been with the team against Washington. And you actually get off to a good start in that series against the uh, Capitals and can't close. And, and, and you lose the series and you lose the lead. Okay, but you're rookies, right? These are young guys. First year, first time in the playoffs. We were playing with house money. The fact we got into the playoffs, it was already a successful season, right? That year against Washington. Nothing wrong with that. All right, year two now. You hope to take a little bit of progression. You know, you got into the playoffs. Now you're hoping to do a little bit more. And you got a chance to take on Boston again. And what ends up happening? Yeah. You end up actually uh, coming back to make it an interesting series, but again, cannot get the job done. And then the year after that, another loss to Boston. This time, you were up three games to two with a home game in game six with a chance to close out the series. You don't do it. You go back to Boston for game seven, and every Leaf fan known to man knew what was coming at that point. It was another a collapse. It was another disappointment. It was another season ending in agony, ending in despair, ending in shame. And that's exactly what ended up happening there. And then last year, the bubble, the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, in that round, you know, Babcock was the issue then those last couple of years. They said, no, nope, we got to make the coaching change now. Bring Sheldon Keith in. Things are going to be maybe a little bit different now, a different voice behind the bench. And, and then last year against Columbus, what do we see? Same old shit, uh, a, a deciding uh, game five, unable to get the job done, and, and they lose to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And now this year, but you look at the changes to the roster and the things that Kyle Dubas did to put this team in a position to not only finally win a playoff series, but actually put them in a position to go for a Stanley Cup this year. Bringing in veterans, you know, Joe Thornton is Jason Spezza now second year uh, with the team. What they added on the blue line, Zach Bogosian, who won a Stanley Cup last year uh, with the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. You bring in, you know, TJ Brody, a very good defenseman. I actually thought had a terrific season. I hang not very much of this on him. I thought he was very good uh, on that blue line for the Leafs. Um, they made so many good, sound, fundamentally logical 
upgrades to the roster in areas where, you know, a little deeper uh, forward, much deeper and better on the blue line. And look, at sometimes in the past couple of seasons where the Leafs have failed in the playoffs, they've had a bad goal or two from Frederick Anderson or from James Reimer if you go way back to 2013. And that's often costed you series at the worst time, cost you series. But Jack Campbell, could he have done anything more than he did uh, in this series? Um, yeah, the first goal last night in Game 7 with Brendan Gallagher scoring it. Could he have stopped it? Maybe. But again, I don't point the finger at Campbell because it was a, a, a quick developing situation. It was a quick shot by Gallagher. I believe it took a slight deflection. It hit something ever so slightly, the Leaf player in front of him. Uh, in front of Gallagher when Gallagher took that shot and it beat Campbell. Yeah, he probably should have had it, went through him. Um, but if you think about the way he played in that series, not I don't hold much of the blame to him. If game five or game six, he is not standing uh, on his head and ready to go from the very beginning. Uh, those games, especially game six, it could have been much worse, much worse for the Leafs, if not for Jack Campbell uh, in game six uh, the other night. So game seven last night, um, I talked about it and ranted about it on Sunday that I was I was infuriated to hear the Leafs say we weren't ready to play in game five and game six, uh, talking about how bad their start was in both of those games. I raked the Leafs over the coals for those terrible starts that they had. Well, game seven shows up last night, and I see the, some Leaf fans and even some of the players after the game last night when they were asked about the start saying it was actually a better start. Oh, so the start is better because you go from having your ass kicked to do. So you basically, it was a better start to game seven last night for the Leafs because they went from having their ass kicked in the first period of game five, moved up a ladder uh, or a notch on the ladder, a rung on the ladder. They moved up from having our ass kicked in the first period to we did absolutely nothing offensively in the first period last night in game seven. But hey, it was still a better start because at least we weren't getting swarmed. That is the mentality of this organization and its fan base to a T. It's a loser's thought. It's a loser's mentality. Again, you needed a better start. You needed to do what Montreal did to you in game five and in game six. You needed to swarm carry Price. You needed to be in the offensive zone. You needed to win puck battles. You needed to win foot races for loose pucks. You needed to do all of that stuff. You needed to get on the body. You needed to hem Montreal in their own defensive zone. Did I see any of that from the Leafs? That's a good start. That's a better start. I'm still seeing Leaf fans say we had a better start last night uh, because we weren't hemmed in. Did you do anything offensively? Did you do anything? Did you have a good sc quality scoring chance in the first period of that game last night? No, you did not. So where this nonsense comes from that that was a better start, I'll have no idea. That was basically going from a horseshit start to a shitty start, which isn't much of an upgrade, which isn't much better, you know, if you ask me. Um, and look, you knew the game was going off the rails for the Leafs, too. When of all people, the guy that's feeling the pressure, the guy that's maybe underachieved more than anybody in this series for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mitch Marner, uh, is the guy that gives the puck away at the blue line, leading to that first goal. You just knew it was going to be trouble from that point on. And I don't know what it is with this group. Look, th this series starts and ends with why did they lose? What is the crux of it? They lost puck battles. They The harder areas of the ice were won by Montreal. Won by Montreal all over the ice in this series they were in the tough areas they were getting the puck in those areas Toronto was not and when Toronto did get those pucks in those areas they were missing the net 
They were shooting the puck off a body, blocked shots. Price made some great saves, too. He was a big part of it. Carey Price, terrific uh, in that series, especially as it went on. And look, I could I could listen to Marner last night, Matthews, the two guys that needed to do more collectively. One goal, right? That's where the series was lost. Uh, you hate to be harsh, but we were harsh on Connor. We were harsh on Leon for the Edmonton Oilers when they lost to Winnipeg. It's time to bring the hammer down on Eminem here. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. One goal between in this series on over 50 shots. All right? One goal on over 50 shots in this series for the two of them combined. You got to produce. I don't want to hear about, oh, we had chances. Oh, we had looks. Oh, we had a lot of good opportunities. No. You're paid to produce. You're paid to put the puck in the net. You're not paid for chances. You're not paid for shots. You're not paid for offensive zone time. You're paid to put the puck in the freaking net. Period. End of story. End of discussion. I don't want to hear excuses. John Wooden and Bill Walton, if you've heard them for years, because Bill Walton played for Wooden, the great UCLA basketball coach, and John Wooden, one of his mantras in life to his players, don't whine, don't complain, don't make excuses. That's making excuses. We had chances. We had shots. You know, what What can you do? You got to put them in. You have to put them in. Somehow, some way, you have to put them in. The teams that win Stanley Cups, they find guys to put them in. Is Nathan McKinnon having a problem putting pucks in right now? Is Nathan McKinnon having an issue? And Nathan McKinnon, you know, is actually, believe it or not, making less money than Marner. Can you believe that? It's hard to believe. That is absolutely stunning to me. That You know what? If I'm Mitch Marner, I, I should say I'm embarrassed that I'm making this amount of money right now, and Nathan McKinnon is making less than me, I should donate half of my salary to this guy because he deserves it because I sure as shit don't. After that series, I mean, absolutely awful. Uh, him in particular, uh, the delay of game penalty, a brain-dead decision in game six, uh, absolutely uh, terrible stuff from him. Uh, the fact that McKinnon is making uh, less money than Mitch Marner, who did zero. Nothing. Jack shit in this series is a travesty. It's, it's a disgrace, to be honest with you. And we're seeing Nathan McKinnon be the ultimate, as uh, Cheshire Cat in our chat is saying, the ultimate boss right now, leading by example, producing in the playoffs. There are ways to produce in the playoffs. There are. Uh, it's not just about trying and getting shots and getting chances. And that's what it sounds like here That a little bit last night, that the woe is me attitude that Marner had, especially in his press conference. Well, we had chances, we had shots, but Puck just wasn't going in. You know, this isn't the situation. And then the Leaf fans are kind of on board with that, saying, well, we did start better. What What is this? What is this? We're going to give you a participation ribbon now? It, just, it, it doesn't work that way. Participation ribbon? You, oh, you tried. You had chances. You were a little bit better with your start. You didn't give up a ton of shots like you did in game five or game six. We participated in the proceedings. We're supposed to give you the Stanley Cup because of that. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. The Leafs players got to rec recognize that, and the fan base uh, has to recognize that uh, as well. And now um, the hard decisions come. And I like the Leaf fans. And now I'm going to get to the Leaf fans because I've, I've ripped on these poor players enough, especially Marner. You know, we'll, we'll let him have his, you know, you know, grieving period, his reflection period, whatever that. I don't know what that's going to help help with Tinker's Dam, you know, but we're going to let him have that opportunity. I got to turn my attention to the fans now. First of all, I've got two issues with some of them. 
a lot of the Leaf fans I know are good people, really good and good fans, good fans that just say, you know what? We didn't get it done. We're not making excuses. This is what we do. We find a way to spit the bit. We find a way to fail to get it done. We find a way to just choke in the most important games and the most important situations of our season. Um, That's just the way it is. And they accept that. And they say, you know what? This hurts me. This is killing me today. I know one best friend of mine, huge Leaf fan his whole life. I've known him for over 20 years. It's killing me today. But guess what? I'm a Leaf fan. I still love my team. And I'm just going to keep on hoping for better days. And I'll be right back there with them, cheering them on. And another thing he's doing is he's not saying, fire the coach, fire the GM, blow up the roster, do all of this stuff. You can't do anything. Do you understand that people that are saying that heads have to roll? There's no way you're going to be able to make that possible. Let's run through what's going on. You have 75 to 80% of your cap tied up in contracts to Nylander, Marner, and Matthews. All right, good luck getting rid of those, first of all. You know, you're you're not going to be able to extricate yourself from that. You know, you're stuck, hook or crook, you know, with these guys being your core for the next at least few years. That's the way it is. You got to win or lose with what you got right now in terms of your main core. That is, Tavares ain't going anywhere. Nylander's not going anywhere. Marner isn't going anywhere. Matthews isn't going anywhere. And, oh, and then I hear the people say, okay, well, we can't make drastic changes. Like, I think Thornton won't be back. I think that's clear as day. He's probably going to retire. Spezza, I think they would try to fit Spezza in, believe it or not, back on this team. Because I thought he played great. I thought he was really good for the Leafs this season. But, you know, there's these, these one-year contracts. Bogosian Zippy to come back, even though he played well. You know, they're going to cut the trim the fat, so to speak. you got to cut out some of these one-year contracts, and you got to try to create cap space somewhere. Um, but look, if you want to blow up the core of this roster, there is not a chance in hell that is happening. And there's some delusional, diluted Leafs fans that think that's going to happen uh, in the offseason. No, it is not. No, it is not. All right. So keep on dreaming. All right. That is not going to happen for this Leafs team. That's one. The second thing I'm hearing Leaf fans say today and, and last night as well. Oh, we got to fire Dubas. Dubas did everything he could for this team. This ain't on Dubas. You're an absolute moron if you think the general manager is at fault here. He put this roster together as good as you could ask. He gave them depth on defense. He gave them a little grit, a little edge, a little veteran experience. And the veteran experience didn't let them down. You know, Thornton played a decent round. He scored a goal. Spezza was great in this series. This comes back to the high-priced offensive talent that did not produce in this series against Montreal. That's Dubas's fault. That's Dubas's fault. He put this roster on paper. This was as good a roster as you could hope for. This is on the players not doing it, not getting the job done. That's where the issue is. It's not the GM, and the GM's not going anywhere. Brendan Shanahan likes Kyle. Just hired him a couple years ago. He's not going to get rid of him just yet. And then I'm also hearing, well, this coach now has not done well in terms of adjustments in this series. we got to get rid of Sheldon Keith. Well, if Kyle Dubas doesn't get fired, and he's not going to get fired, neither is Sheldon Keith. Because Sheldon Keith is Kyle Dubas's guy through and through. Do you, do you not realize it's not a matter of what should or shouldn't happen? Do you not realize how this organization, the, the organization that you're a so-called fan of, was constructed? Do you not understand the inner workings of management and coaching and how this team was assembled? Do you not get that Sheldon Keith has been stuck to Kyle Dubas's side as his coach going back to when he was the GM of the OHL Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds? many years ago. 
Like that is how long Keith has been with Kyle Dubas. Kyle Dubas is as long as Kyle Dubas is GM, Sheldon Keith is head coach, in my opinion. That's not changing. So get that thought out of your head uh, right now. So all of you people demanding uh, infinitive changes right now, um, you're not going to get them. All right. You're not going to get them. Uh, they're going to be small changes here and there, little tweaks, little adjustments. Uh, but this is not going to be a we're blowing up the team uh, situation. Uh, you're absolutely fooling yourself uh, if you're an elite fan and you believe that. And the very last thing I'll say, and then I'll finally let poor Alex get a word in here, uh, talk about this game. The last thing I will say is, and this one's sickening, because there's nothing more I hate than disloyalty to the team that you are a fan of and have been a fan of for your entire life. I am in, I am just beyond disgusted, ashamed. That Look, I know there's a, a lot of shame and embarrassment that Leaf fans feel right now because they just have not been able to get over this hump. They have not been able to win a playoff series. They have not won a playoff series in 17 years, and it's going on 18 now. I understand that. The Toronto Maple Leafs have not won a playoff series in high-definition television. All right? In that era, they have not won a playoff series. HD has been around since almost that time. 0506 is when it launched. And the Leafs, the la when they beat Ottawa in 2004, we were still on standard F back then. That tells you all you need to know. Hell, I'm the fan of a loser sad sack team growing up as well, the Buffalo Sabres. Hell, at least my team won a playoff series before uh, more recently than the Leafs did. You know, <laughs> at least that's the one thing as a Sabres fan I could hold my hat on. You know, at least we had those great 06 years with Briere and Drury, Brian Campbell. You know, great Sabre, Jason Pominville in this prime. What a great Sabres run that was for a few years. The Leafs, I mean, they're way before even us. The Sabres had those great years since they've uh, won a playoff series. So I understand the frustration. It's been 17 years of misery. It's been 17 years of collapses, failures, choke jobs, you name it. It's been nothing but bad for the Leafs. But for some Leaf fans to tonight, last night, and earlier today that I've seen and talked to and heard say, I'm done with this team. Fuck this team. I'm done with them. Throwing their jerseys in the garbage, saying, you know what? I'm not watching this team play hockey ever again. Screw them. I'm done with them. I'm not watching them. I'm not paying for tickets anymore. I'm not going to any more Leaf games. I'm going to start cheering for another team. I'm seeing Leaf fans saying they're going to start cheering for the Seattle Kraken when they start their first season uh, next year. First of all, shut the hell up. Second of all, you know, you're saying, oh, I'm done with this team. I'm done with this team. You are done with shit, all right? You're going right back next October to cheer on this team for better or for worse, and you're still going to be the same, you know, hard-trying Leaf fan that you always have been. Stop with the nonsense, all right? You're not changing teams. You're not shutting this team out. You're not done with anything. You're still going to be a Leaf fan today. You're still going to be a Leaf fan next year, and you're going to still be a Leaf fan 20 years from now just like you've been for your entire life, you know, because it's about loyalty. When you're a true fan, when you're a hardcore fan of a sports team, you stick with them through good times and through bad times. It's as simple as that. You don't change allegiances because they're not playing well. You stick with it. You be loyal. You show some, you know, you show some ability to just stand by your team. Is Alex B. Smith going to say, you know what, if the Blackhawks are suck for 10 years, I'm done with them? No. He's not going to do that. He's going to stand by them uh, every step of the way because that's what a true fan does. 
And if you're all of a sudden one of these fans that's going to resort to saying, I'm done with this team or I'm going to uh, cheer for someone else, uh, you're not a true fan. And if you follow through on that, you're, you're just a front runner. You're just a bandwagon fan. You're basically no better than some of these New England Patriots fans that I've known for the last 10 years that only became Patriots fans when Tom Brady and Hoodie showed up there and started winning Super Bowls. Where were you when Drew Bledsoe was there? Where were you when, before Robert Kraft took over the team? Where the hell were you in the 90s when the New England Patriots were a disaster? You know, where were you when Bill Parcells was coaching the team briefly there? You weren't nowhere to be found as a Patriots fan. Now, all of a sudden, you're a bandwagoner with Brady and Belichick there. If you disband from being a Leafs fan now, that you're no better than that. So shut up. Own the, the, the failure. Be upset about it. Be disgusted by it. You know, be absolutely uh, filled with rage, anger, all of that. You have every right to be. This is another epic disaster for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But don't you dare pull the I'm done with this team card. Don't you dare pull the I'm done with this team crap because we all know you're full of crap for saying it. You're not going anywhere. You're still going to be a Leaf fan. You're a Leaf fan today. You were a Leaf fan five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And guess what? You're still going to be one five years, 10 years, and 20 years from now. End of story. Alex B. Smith, game seven, Habs Leafs, your, your time. Very well said, Ian. And, 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 you know, I'm going to lead off with what you just finished up with, with the, the fans. Uh, you know, as someone who, like you said, I'm a Hawks fan. I've been a Hawks fan since I was five years old. Uh, I've watched this team through the absolute worst years of their history. And throughout the years and all the different things that, you know, we needed to change this and that and the other. And the biggest thing that needed to change and, and ultimately what did and what led to the success we've had uh, in, you know, the greater part of the last decade was a, it was it needed to be an overall culture change. Now, of course, that had to come from uh, a tragedy in the sense of our owner dying uh, and his son taking over. But that's what needed to happen in order for this franchise to make a, a return back to glory. The Leafs have the personnel in place as far as players go, as far as coaching, as far as GM and upper management. But they need a culture change. They need a mindset change. Uh, and, and that's got to come from within the players first. You know, the, the fans can't can only manifest so much, but these players have to really they need to all band together. And hopefully, you know, I know everybody is going to be kind of trying to go back to where their respective homes this summer, especially with the quarantines and different things ending this pandemic coming to a close. But honestly, this is a group that really should try to stay together in Toronto or, or pick a place wherever in the world and bond together. They need to have a true bond and, and form a, a goal, a form a core that says, hey, you know what? We need to end this shit once and for all. We have the talent. We have the personnel. These fans have been waiting forever. We have to. It's on us now to deliver this. Uh, and they got to live by this. this. This needs to be a way of life for them at this point. If you're built in, if you're going to have this long-term contract, you're going to take this money from this organization. You got to be dedicated to this organization. Uh, and, and you just can't have these kind of gaps and lapses uh, in these big moments. They have to end. So for Marner, uh, Nylander, Matthews, uh, you, you know, Tavares, those are the four guys. They need to band together and say, hey, we're going to – it's up to us to stop this shit once and for all. There's no reason we should be going through the same doldrums that have been going on for 17 years. There's no reason that we shouldn't, you know, talk about that. We have the longest cup drought now in history. This is longer than the 54-year drought that the Rangers had from 1940 to 1994. Uh, you, you, it's on you. It's on. It's on the core players of this, of this organization, and then it stems from outward. And, you know, I understand the fans being upset, 
and being disappointed and saying, you know, yeah, you know, you wouldn't be like, oh, you know, you'd rather watch a better team, hockey team. I get it. I get it. I went through that same phase too, but I didn't back away. I didn't throw my Hawks jerseys in the trash or set them on fire. No, you got to stick by your team. Stick by, you know, you stick by them and they stick by you, but the players have to buy into that system and they aren't doing it right now. And hopefully this will finally be the wake up call for that group of four to rally around the rest of the players, whoever they do bring in, because they got a lot of uh, free agents that will be moving out. I can't imagine any of the unrestricted free agents, maybe for Spencer, because of you know cap issues, they could re-sign him in a cheaper deal. But everybody else is going to be gone. But they got to bring in guys who are going to buy into the system and buy into the change that they need to make moving forward. So until uh, they do that, we're just going to see the same old shit you know, throughout the years. Maybe they don't even make the playoffs next year, depending on how tough things are. Think about all these teams in the North Division. They got to get back to traveling again, back to the U.S., back cross-country, back and forth. It's going to be tough for the, for the North Division teams when they get back to their respective divisions. So, uh, you know, nothing's guaranteed for them. They got to take, you know, the chances while they have it. And they still have it for a couple more years with this core group. But they've got to buy into a system and a belief, just like the Hawks did when they started that one goal movement. That's what the one goal meant, to rebuild this organization to a winner. And they did that. The Leafs need some kind of drastic change, and it needs to happen this summer. Yeah, exactly. And the culture change, you know what the culture change is, too? It's, it's, a, it's a mindset in terms of when – when things start to go against us, we have an ability to push back and turn it back in our favor. We didn't see that in this series. Game five got away from them, and that's really when the series shifted to Montreal, who came out firing in game six, who were the better team for game seven. They couldn't flip the momentum when it started to go against them. And that's a weak, fragile team when that happens. It's simple as that, and that's what's got to change. You've got to find a way to get momentum back when you lose it. And the Leafs have not shown that ability to do that in this year's playoffs and all the recent playoff failures. That's an issue. And it's been an issue for 17 years. Like we said, 2004, the television was not even in high definition service. Think about that. Think about that. That's the last time they won a playoff series. Uh, Usher and Ludacris and Lil John, Yeah. Number one on the charts in Billboard the last time they won a playoff. Great song, by the way. I remember I was listening to that all the time my last year of high school. Think about that. My last year of high school. That's the yep. last time they won a playoff series. Holy fuck. And I'm in the 35 years old now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. I was, I was, I was a, a sophomore going into my junior year of, of high school that year. And like I said, it's just absolutely insane that, and then we're talking about, this is the thing too. We're talking about teams that are good in the regular season and then falling apart in the playoffs. It's not like we're talking about a team that's, you know, 20 years where they haven't even made the playoffs. They're not spending the money. They're not doing this and that. They're doing everything right by the book as far as, you know, compared to some other franchises, uh, you know, that weren't spending. The Hawks weren't spending any fucking money. Uh, you know, it seems like Buffalo's going to have issues trying to bring players in, not so much them spending money. It's just personnel. Columbus is a team that's probably going to struggle forever trying to draw players in. You, you have those issues. You don't have any of that Toronto. Toronto's, okay, we're talking about the, basically the, the equivalent, the Canadian equivalent of New York City. You got the media coverage, you got the fame, and if you fucking win there, you're going to be legends. So there's, you know, this is the place you want to be, especially if you're a Canadian. It's got to be obviously a little bit more pride playing in Toronto, wearing the leaf on, on, on your sweater, you know, knowing about the history of this franchise. That's, you know, that's got to stand for something. You have to play with that pride. You know, we always talk about, you know, the crest on the front, not the name in the back. That needs to be the true emphasis for anybody who's signing with this Leafs team moving forward. 
And again, it's again, being able to get momentum back on your side when you lose it and turn the tide. It seems like as soon as things go bad for the Leafs, they stay bad. And that's what's going to have to change in games and in series. And that kind of mindset has to change. Uh, no question uh, about that. And again, it's going to be a very interesting offseason. Credit to the legendary voice of the Leafs, Joe Bowen, who in his final remarks at the end of last night's game actually chuckled on the air. He says, boy, this should be some kind of offseason. And he's chuckling. You know, he's as disappointed and upset as anybody else. He loves that team. And it comes through in his play-by-play. But uh, the fact he could still chuckle uh, about what the offseason might hold for the Leafs coming up after this uh, it just uh, shows you that um, at the end of the day, it's just a game. It really is. It's hockey. You know, you feel gut-wrenched. But, hey, life will go on. It will go on for the Leafs organization. It will go on for the Leafs fans. We can only hope it's going to go on a little bit more successfully for you in the years ahead than it has for the last couple of decades. Before we fully turn the page to the Bruin Islander game from last night, it's now time to acknowledge the Montreal Canadiens and what they did in this series and give them their props, give them their due. What I saw was a team that changed the style of play a little bit once they got down 3-1 in terms of we're going to really dig in defensively, we're going to really, really battle for pucks, win puck battles, win board battles, and that was the difference in the last three games. Montreal was winning puck battles and board battles. Toronto was not. And you give them a lot of credit. I give Petrie. I give uh, Edmondson. I give Sherratt. And I give even Shea Weber a lot of credit in this series. That big four uh, defensemen for the Montreal Canadiens played very well. Uh, all four of them collectively. They Tyler Toffoli had a nice series. Josh Anderson was very good. Kotkin Yemi. He struggled in the regular season. Habs fans have been frustrated with him for a while. Look at the impact he made. Nick Suzuki, who is showing you right before our eyes what a player he could be. The old veteran, the old playoff vet who just finds a way to somehow make a difference. Corey Perry, including a big goal last night uh, on the power play to make it 2-0 for Montreal. Great play from him uh, in this series. I know Cole Caulfield was quiet, but I thought you know he made things happen. He had chances. Wait until that puck goes in for him. Look out. There's a lot to be excited about for the Montreal Canadiens. And I know nobody gave them a chance in this series. Nobody. Uh, everybody picked Toronto in this series. But we have to rewind to the beginning of the season. When on this show, on our season preview, I said it. Alex said it. And I know Jimmy said it, too. We thought Montreal could be a dangerous team at playoff time. We said they could make a run. They could maybe be a Stanley Cup contender. I still have a Montreal Canadian Stanley Cup futures ticket pending. And, you know, I never thought twice about it, you know, for the longest time, because, look, we were all, I guess you could say, blinded a little bit by the fact that this team had just such a disappointing regular season. They did. I mean, we thought this team was going to be so much better in the regular season than they were. I mean, we, we thought they were good enough with their roster if Price played well with the blue line the way it was, bringing in Josh Anderson, bringing in Joel Edmondson, bringing in Jake Allen as a very good backup to Carey Price. We thought Montreal could be a very good team and dangerous playoff team, maybe a, a team that could go on a run in the playoffs. But a lot of us, and I can speak for me, we soured on that opinion because Montreal just so gravely disappointed in the regular season and underachieved to the point where, look, they barely had to hang on for that playoff spot and just barely stay ahead of Calgary, you know, to make the playoffs as the fourth and final playoff team in the North Division. So that is why I think everybody across the board, hockey fans, hockey betters, hockey pundits, truly just absolutely gave up on Montreal just because their regular season was just 
not very awe-inspiring, to be honest with you. And we saw the Leafs play just so good throughout the regular season, take seven of the 10 meetings uh, against Montreal during the regular season. You put all those factors together, and it was just an onslaught of opinions that Toronto was going to win this series, and most of them saying Toronto was going to roll in this series. And it couldn't have been anything uh, but that uh, in this series. Instead, Montreal advances in seven, and I wanted to give them credit. The That top four blue line, you know, was very good for them. And look, Winnipeg doesn't have the deep blue line Toronto did. So there are some things to look for for Montreal in this series. Can they get that balanced scoring production? They had all four lines contribute more than we, we thought they would. And of course, my last comment about Montreal and the great job, tip their cap, 3-1 down. He deserves praise for his performance in net because he was utterly brilliant uh, in this series, especially later in the series, Carey Price. And the comments he made after Montreal lost game four, it looked like the series was done with Toronto up 3-1, and they were asking Carey Price after the game, Alex, why is your team not scoring? What has happened to them? He says, I've got faith. I believe in these guys. They're professionals. They're going to find a way to get it done. And everybody in the postgame last night, Deneau, Suzuki, guys answering questions, said Carey Price saying that lit a spark, saying, this guy's not giving up on us. We're, we ain't going to give up on him. We're going to come after this. And if we lose this series, it's not going to be because we're giving up and, and putting our tail between our legs and, and just, you know, waving the white flag. We're not going to do that. Montreal kept battling. They uh, Look, they were one goal, one shot away from losing the series in game five uh, in Toronto. They found that overtime winner. And it just, the, the momentum of positivity got rolling for Montreal from that point. And similarly, the momentum of negative, the no, negative momentum got rolling for Toronto from that point, and the rest is history. Montreal comes back in seven. But it is flat-out wrong and flat-out not the right thing to do to just say this is a leaf gag, this is a leaf choke, this is a leaf failure, and that this is it's wrong to say this is nothing to do with what Montreal was able to do. It is a lot to do with what Montreal was able to do. They never gave up. They still believed when they were down 3-1. They got terrific goaltending. They scored dirty, tough goals, tough areas. They all battled. They all won their fair share of puck battles. And Philip Deneau, the last guy I'll mention, because he shut down Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and that entire Leaf line, and he had struggled against them in the regular season. But who cares about that now? Philip Deneau, who cares that he struggled against them in the regular season? He won the war because he shut their ass down in this series when it mattered most. Philip Deneau establishing himself clearly in this series as an elite defensive center. I know he doesn't score. Can we shut up about him not scoring now if you're a Montreal fan? Give it up with that. I understand he's not giving you much offense, but if he's going to play that well defensively at the center ice position on the best players from the other team and two of the best players in the league, give him credit for that. And he's a big part. His defensive game is a big part of why Montreal's moving on. Uh, Alex, uh, let's get some thoughts on the Montreal side of it from you. You know, the, the beauty of hockey, we're seeing it in this North division. You look at the Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers, teams that, you know, they have the star power uh, and, and all the, you know, the big fan base and everything. But you got to have the mindset and the mentality and have a complete team to advance. And that's what we're seeing from the Winnipeg Jets. 
and the Montreal Canadiens, and that's why they're moving forward. They play complete team hockey. He said, you know, Carey Price, you know, he rallied around his guys. He knows, you know, he's a veteran. He's been through, you know, some of the worst times with, with, with this Habs club, but he knew, like I said, give his team confidence, give them the boost they need, you know, and like I said, they work for each other. And that's why they're able to come back from that 3-1 deficit. That's why we saw Winnipeg just absolutely obliterate Edmonton. They have this team mentality. And like I said, yeah, we thought the Habs were going to be good at the beginning of the year. And that was the reason why, because they have a complete team. They have, you know, two goalies that can play well. You know, they said we can find, if they can get some balanced scoring and some timely defense, which is exactly what we saw in this series, that they can make a run. And here they are now at the most important time putting it all together. So this is going to be a phenomenal series, uh, Habs and Jets. I already have one play uh, on game one, but I have no idea what I'm going to do with, with this series in whole. I think this might be a six or seven game series and it could go either way, uh, but it's going to be really fun to watch. So like I said, kudos to the Habs for playing complete team hockey uh, and moving forward. And now they get to play a team, you know, both of these teams are kind of on a free roll because like I said, no one gave any of them a chance. Uh, so they're going to be playing, you know, with a bit of a chill their shoulder, but they, they, they don't have much to lose. So that, that's going to make for some exciting hockey in the seven game series. Yeah, no doubt. Credit to the Montreal and face-offs. If you don't think face-offs matter, they do, especially because puck possession is even more important in today's NHL. And Philip Deneau got better at the face-off circle uh, as that series went on as well. He was getting beaten a little bit early in the series, but again, later in the series, he was winning a lot. Majority of face-offs he took and gave Montreal the chance to possess the puck right away. Uh, and those matter. Uh, in the course of a playoff series. And yes, a uh, great point by Alex. The Montreal-Winnipeg series will be interesting. We'll save that for tomorrow's show. We'll do a series preview and a Game 1 preview uh, on tomorrow's show uh, for the Habs and Jets. I do think one side has an advantage tomorrow night, but I will save that uh, for uh, tomorrow's show uh, when we talk about it. Uh, let's talk briefly Bruins-Islanders from last night, and then we'll preview tonight's game, Lightning and Hurricanes. Uh, look, the Islanders, I think they had to win that game in overtime. If they had... You know, erase that one nothing deficit and credit to them. They had a great second period, uh, led three to one. But if they had blown that three one lead like they did, uh, and it went to overtime and they had lost last night, that would have been tough to recover from down two nothing. Even going back home to Nassau Coliseum, which is a great environment at playoff time. But the Islanders took advantage of a turnover from Jeremy Lozon at the blue line and Casey Sezikis, uh, Don Cherry calls him Casey Sedidas. Uh, had the breakaway uh, for the Islanders and a beautiful shot uh, past Tuka Rask uh, and an overtime win for the New York Islanders uh, to tie that series 1-1. And what a different complexion now. Islanders winning last night versus had they lost last night. Had they blown the lead and lost the game in overtime, that would have been very tough. Uh, and I'm not su surprised the Islanders responded. And look, there was a lot of love for Boston last night in game two. Uh, but I'm not at all shocked to see the Islanders respond. That's all they've done in the last couple of years. Backs against the wall. They need to rise up, play better. And with Barry Trotz at the helm as the head coach behind the bench, they've done that. They've brought their best when they've needed it. And the Islanders are going to be a pain in the ass for the Bruins uh, in this series. This is going to be a long, tough. There's a very, very razor-thin margin between these two teams. And I'm all good with that as someone that's looking for a seven-game series from a betting standpoint with the series props and also Boston to win exactly four games to three uh, in seven games. I want this series to go seven. I think it's going to go seven. And I think it's a legit coin flip um, because even though now the Islanders have taken home ice, Boston's a more than capable team winning on the road. We know that uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see these teams split in Nassau 
Coliseum, just like they split the first two at TD Garden. This is a good, good series. This is a physical, heavy, hard-hitting, you know, you know, grind it out, a battle. It's, it's a, this series is going to be a battle. People are going to the front of the net. There's punishment. The goalies are getting whacked. Varlamov and Sorokin for the Islanders. Rask for Boston. Uh, there's a lot of uh, violence and physicality right in front of the net. Uh, this is going to be a, a series that ain't for the faint of heart, and it's shaping up to be a great, great series here, the Islanders and Bruins, and a huge win last night for the New York Islanders. And their best players were great uh, last night. They got, you know, Beauvillier was good, Nelson good, Eberly good. I mean, you go on down the list. Pajot, again, when you, that's usually when he shows up, those games when the Islanders really need something to happen. John Gabriel Pajot shows up, and he did that again last night for the Islanders. Great win, 1-1 now with the series shifting to Long Island. Alex, a Bruins Islanders last night, and let's give Alex credit. Islanders money line at a great plus price, nearly plus 180. Alex, love that as his best bet yesterday on the show. Islanders get it done. Yeah, that was wonderful. And, and you know, I pretty much I said it on, on the program. I said this feels like a game that could be 4-3 Islanders in overtime, and that's exactly uh, how it played out. And, this feels like it's going to be a zigzag kind of series. This, you know, uh, kudos to you for grabbing that that you know seven game uh, series play. That's a good price to have, and you know, this is just one of those games in one of those series where these two teams. We talk about it, you know, during the regular season, how evenly matched they were, how many games went to OT. Uh, you know, they play different styles, but you know, styles make fights, and they kind of bring out the best in one another. Uh, you know, they Boston brings out the better offense in the Islanders. Islanders make the Boston work harder on defense. So it makes for exciting hockey. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's great, especially if you're betting in-game. This There was a lot of great in-game chances. I hit the I hit Bruins plus 290 uh, in-game for the goal that tied the game to send it to OT. So I didn't have the OT prop, but I pretty, pretty much got the same, you know, near to the same price uh, because of playing it in-game. So this is a, a fabulous in-game series. Uh, I, I won't jump in on a series price at this point, even though, I mean, if you like Boston, it's probably the cheapest you might get it at minus 180. Uh, if you think Boston's gonna gonna win Game Three, I'd suggest grabbing that now at a, at a price that you can get it. But uh, this is definitely going to be a fun series, and I wouldn't be shocked one bit if this one goes all seven games. All right, awesome stuff. Uh, looking forward to the rest of this series. It's shaping up to be a great one. Islanders Bruins one one, and we will be on the air for the next game of this series. It is our live betcast. We didn't. I forgot to announce it on the show yesterday, but. I did make the announcement on Twitter yesterday. I'll make it uh, the announcement now for the first time on this show. Our next Stanley Cup playoffs live betcast Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we will be on the air for Bruins Islanders game three, as well as Hurricanes Lightning game three. Uh, those are the two games on Thursday night. We will be with you for both, uh, and we will uh, do what we've always done. We're going to invite all our great Ice Guys fam as I like to call them, viewers, listeners, and fans uh, with us to join us live on the stream. Uh, and during the BetCast, we're going to just have a lot of fun. We're going to just chat it up about the games as they're taking place, live bets, and we're going to hammer a bunch of live bets. Same uh, same uh, pattern for me. I'm going to set aside a fixed amount of my bankroll just for the live betting uh, that I'm going to be involved with on Thursday night during the show. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun, so join us for that Thursday night BetCast, uh, Stanley Cup Playoffs BetCast, courtesy of the Ice Guys, Thursday night. 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, make sure you join us for that. DM me, DM Alex, DM the Ice Guys Twitter, any one of those three if you want to reserve your spot uh, on the BetCast uh, Thursday night to join us live on the air with us on the stream. Uh, make sure you get in contact with us just so we make sure we've got a spot for you in case it's uh, filled up to the brim. Uh, definitely 
uh, looking forward to the BetCast uh, Thursday night. I'm also looking forward to tonight's game as we finally get to tonight's one game on the board. Tampa Bay, Carolina, game two of this Central Division final second round series. Carolina minus 115 home favorites, total five and a half, shaded to the under in this game. Uh, Alex mentioned the zigzag theory in the Bruins Islanders series just a second ago. Uh, I'm doing the zigzag theory in terms of both the side and the total tonight in game two. Uh, of this series if you're Carolina and I said it yesterday when we recapped Sunday five on five in all situations Carolina won the expected goals margin battle against Tampa Bay they couldn't have started the game any better than they did in game one they were dominant Vasilevsky was just remarkable he was incredible a couple of the saves he made the glove save he made uh, on one of those Carolina chances early in that game and Carolina just could not find a way to put a puck in. And sure enough, once you saw all those chances go by the wayside, you just knew this was probably Tampa Bay's game at that point. They'd find a way to score that first goal. They did with Braden Point uh, getting the power play goal uh, in that game to give the Lightning a one nothing lead. Um, and uh, Carolina, again, kept on peppering. They tied it up. But again, Nadelkovich hasn't given up many, if any, bad goals in this series. But I don't think he liked the one that Barkley Goudreau scored on him. Uh, at the end of uh, well, about six minutes to go in the third period to give Tampa that 2-1 lead. And that is indeed the score they won by, 2-1. Uh, to one. But again, if you look at all the advanced numbers, expected goals margin, danger chances, Carolina was better in Tampa in those two categories uh, in game one. Uh, they're right in this series still. So here's what I'm betting tonight in this game, because I think they'll bounce back. I think this is a spot where if you're Carolina – do you really want to lose this game and be down 2 nothing at home going back to Tampa Bay? No, you don't. They're good. They're a good road team. They're capable of winning on the road. Hell, they closed out Nashville on the road. Of course they are. But you don't want to have to put yourself in a spot where you're going to have to win You know, a, multiple games in this series in uh, Tampa Bay uh, to be able to win this series. This is an important game tonight for uh, Carolina. Uh, yeah, I'm on a bunch of different things here tonight uh, in this game. This is this is going to be a tough night for yours truly in terms of the old betting bankroll. If it, this if these don't work out, if this is not a Carolina night, you know I'm in a little bit of difficulty uh, tonight. Uh, but uh, we'll see how it goes. But I took Carolina plus two twenty series price uh, adjusted series price uh, yesterday. I bet it following the game one uh, Tampa Bay victory. I said I would do that. I I bet Carolina adjusted series price after game one. I've done that. I'm on Carolina minus 115 tonight in game two. So not only do I have them for the series now, I took them individually tonight in game two as well. Uh, minus 115 Carolina. And I'm also going to go over five and a half plus 100 uh, in this game tonight. Again, we had a lower scoring game one. It wasn't for lack of chances, wasn't for lack of opportunities. In fact, expected goals in the game, again, were more toward three for both teams, which means six pretty much for the entire game. So uh, you could see this game, I think, go over the total if some of those chances get converted. Still a big if. You've got Vasilevsky playing outstanding for Tampa Bay, and Adelkovic still a very good goalie as well for Carolina. So the pucks still have to go in, but the chances that were generated should have led to more goals than 2-1 to one, uh, as they did in game one. So I like the over, and that Carolina team total over 2.5 minus 120. Uh, I like that as well. Uh, I'm going to be on that team total for the Hurricanes as well because I think this is a night they get to three. It's fire every puck at the net. Brindamore has reinforced that to all of his players going into tonight. We've got to shoot from everywhere with a goalie seeing it like Vasilevsky is right now. 
Uh, and I think you're going to see Carolina not up this series and tie it up at one uh, as the scene will shift to Tampa Bay for game three Thursday night, which will be part of our betcast uh, that night. Alex, uh, what's your thoughts here? Game two, Tampa Bay, Carolina. Yeah, this is an important game for Carolina. They can't afford to go down uh, two games to nothing and then head into Tampa Bay. Uh, they've got to, you know, batten down the hatches, like I said, you know, fire pucks at will. And I think that's exactly where we're going to see. I love this first period over. I got it at one and a half at plus 100. You can still find it anywhere between minus $1.05 and plus 105 if you shop around. So anywhere in that pick and range, I think this is a great spot. The two teams that have been cashing those in left and right. And, uh, the fact that everything kind of started out slow, you know, it's kind of like we always talk. We always use that styles make fights reference, but this is kind of like a boxing match in a sense. The first game, that first period, first two periods, just kind of feeling each other out, getting a, a sense of each other, even though they've played each other quite often in the regular season. But they still were just kind of, you know, getting that familiar with one another before making those chances. Both teams know that they can't, uh, you know, just make a bunch of, of, you know, lackadaisical chances. They have to be uh, engaged at both ends of the ice because the other team uh, has the offense that could absolutely bury them. But I think we're going to see more offensive chances early in this contest. Things could slow down a little bit late, but I still feel confident enough that not only the first period of catches, but I also like the full game over, which I found uh, at plus 100 as well. So give me the first first period over and the full game over in this game. Uh, I'm already on the Carolina series, so I feel that they'll be able to win it. I'm not going to touch on the money line there. Yeah, and there's something else supporting the over tonight. Carolina has not played consecutive unders yet here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, yeah, last game stayed under, but they have not had two straight playoff games yet. Both stay under the total. So uh, if that trend holds to form, then we're going to see this game uh, go over the total. Another thing that's concerning for Tampa Bay, shorthanded on the blue line potentially tonight. David Savard missed game one. He's questionable to return tonight with that upper body injury. And Eric Chernak. He's had a really good season, been a good defenseman for the Lightning this season. Uh, he may not play tonight, so you could be a little bit going into the depth chart tonight in that uh, blue line. You're going to see more minutes for the likes of Luke Shen, uh, among others, and he's been around the block. He's okay, uh, but I'd still rather have Chernak and Savard, who are you know very good defensemen, good playoff defensemen as well for this Lightning team. It's either that, you're going to have to play Shen and some others more minutes, or you're going to have to play McDonough and Hedman you know, your top two defensemen a shit done, and they're already playing a lot of minutes for John Cooper uh, on this Tampa Bay Lightning blue line. So those are your choices right now. Uh, if both Chernak and Savard are, are not able to suit up for Tampa Bay, uh, they are game-time decisions uh, for game two of this game tonight. All right, that is the uh, Tuesday uh, breakdown of the Tampa Carolina game. We recapped last night. Uh, that'll just about wrap up this show. Before we get to best bets, a reminder, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN, NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs, MLB uh, on a daily basis. Great time of year uh, to be testing out DraftKings. When you sign up for an account uh, and download the app, you'll get deposit bonuses, weekly specials, weekly incentives, bet boosts, and more. Uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code uh, THPN. All right, it is time for best bets uh, for this Tuesday uh, uh, edition of the Ice Guys. Again, we only have the one game tonight, but Alex, uh, what do you like here for best bet? That first period over with Canes and Bolts. Uh, he said one and a half. You can chop around. I got it at plus 100. Uh, you should be able to find at least a plus 105 or, or nothing worse than minus a dollar five there. Uh, two teams that are going to you know have a lot of chances firing on one another. Uh, also, if you like it, you can find it certain books. I know DraftKings will offer this. Both teams to score in the first period. You usually find that at an adjusted price around plus 180 up to two dollars. So. I uh, wouldn't mind sprinkling a little bit on that as well, but the best bet will be first period over between Carolina and Tampa Bay. 
uh, over one and a half. All right, there we go. Tampa Bay, Carolina, over one and a half. First period for Alex B. Smith with his best bet. Uh, we both went 2-0 and o with best bets yesterday. Islanders for Alex, the over in that Islanders-Bruins game for me. Uh, and I'm going to Carolina, minus 115 uh, here is my best bet tonight on the show. I think Carolina gets it done. Could have a short-handed lightning blue line. If you're Carolina, you should not be deterred that say, oh, we played poorly and lost. No, sometimes you play good and you still lose. I thought that was what happened with Carolina in game one. If they bring that tonight, I think they even up the series. Carolina minus 115 against Tampa Bay. That is my best bet for this Tuesday edition of the Ice Guys. And that'll wrap up this edition of the show. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week on YouTube. Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday, Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeart. For Alex B. Smith, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Tuesday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on Wednesday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.